Welcome, everyone, to another week with your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW, and our most special hire of Nissen. We are looking forward to taking your questions and your comments regarding a mental health field. And, of course, we just asked that it should be family-appropriate and parenting about uh, kids above the age of eight. We are going to have, again, the number to call in and ask your question. Actually, is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And looking forward to taking your question or your comment. The, we're going to go to our first caller. We have Mrs. K. On the air. Hello, Mrs. K. You're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Our pleasure. Um, I'm wondering, thanks, if, do you have any experience with the Demartini method, any opinion on it? Well, we all know that it's the famous system that Mrs. Friedman does in, the, in her skills work, and that it got extremely popular because of her in the from world. And I don't like saying positives and negatives about any system out there. So I'm saying it's a system and is very popular. Mm-hmm. Now, let's okay. take it a little differently. When someone asks me what's my thoughts and opinions about it, they usually have an ulterior motive or a reason. Can you clarify what that question is now behind your question? Um, you've tried it and it works. You've tried it and um, it doesn't work. In what, the middle what? of it. What? I'm in the middle of it. That's right. And how do you find the system working? Um, not sure. I mean, there's definitely some positives about it, but I'm just... That's right. Can you share with us a little the Demartini method? I happen to know about the Demartini method, but how would you describe it? Um, a big part of it is that whatever might have happened is ultimately for the good and finding ways yes. to... It's more than that. It's about finding what have you gained, what are you learning from the difficulties. Is that correct? Right. Now, so why do you think it should be an issue? What's, what's your question about it that you're asking me? Um, I'm just wondering if it's like really could cure a trauma. Absolutely not. I don't like when anyone does that. Nothing just cures trauma without going to therapy. Thank you. That's my point. Mm-hmm. In other words, you want to know, can a system that you're not getting by a trained therapist work on you that you're hearing it over the phone? No, I'm, no, no, it's not hearing over the phone. It's working with a, whatever they're called, facilitator. All right. Now, are they trained? Are they doing it in person? What happens if it gets stuck? Yeah, in yeah. Others? trained in this method. I know, but that's not my point. In other words, there are lots of systems that work with trauma, but not everyone works with ev- not every system works with everyone. If they're a license, if they have more experience, they're able to deal with oh. it and give you more information. Um, I think she has experience in this area. Right. So I I, I'd like to sort of go on and off the record. I don't know how to do that, but that is I've even sent one or two of my clients, specifically one that I could think of recently, to someone that does a Demartini method, but they're not licensed. But it's under sort of my supervision. I felt that person will benefit not going to a licensed therapist. On the other hand... And I don't want to get now a thousand calls from people. Who did you send to? Who do you recommend? No, I'm not going to do that, and I'm not saying that. So I just want to be clear for everyone listening, don't even do that. On the other hand, I can also tell you the disaster stories that we have people that are going to others that aren't licensed, and they're saying it heals all trauma. I can tell you tons of cases I wasn't able to help in trauma while I work with trauma most of my day. So do you understand how complicated it is now, your question? Your question is about the Demartini method. It's a nice system. Will it help everyone? Are you going to a therapist in person, a Demartini specialist in person? Is it over the phone? Are they aware of everything? Did you give the full history? Are there other traumas that's going on? Do you know how you realize how complicated trauma is? Mm-hmm. Is it going on for many years? So now, when your question is, what do I think of the Demartini method? I think it's a method, and I think it can be a great, powerful tool. Depends how you use it, who you use it, and. Who do you use the Demartini method for, and what cases? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, what are you getting from this? Well, I guess that I should continue and see where it takes me. Excellent. Now, what were you hoping to hear from me? Oh, I'm not sure. If you think it's great, or <laughs> I, I guess I was hoping you'd just 
give me approval, and I don't know. Yep. And what we do over so, here is to create awareness. Uh-huh. So do you think we've created an awareness? Yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank you so and much. You're very welcome. And now we're going to go to Miss L from London. Someone calling in from London at this late hour. Always appreciate that. And um, the number to call in for those of you that would like is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Looking forward to taking your question and your comments. All right, so let's go ahead and Ms. L from London, what is your question or comment? Hi. Hi, good evening. Thank you very much for your program. It's much appreciated. I'm calling a reference to the caller from last week that discussed over-identification with you. Okay, Let, let's. I like these fancy words. Many people don't know what was called, so let's try again. Start. Tell me what the question was, what I replied, and now what your comment is or your question is. Um, the caller brought up um, she wanted some clarification on this particular issue, and you mentioned that it's sort of a clinical term, and could she expand on it? What, what relevance does that have in her life? And she expressed to you about a relationship that she had with a, a friend and her daughter that was over identification, and the struggles that came together with leaving go from this particular friend. Okay, hold on. Notice how you just did everything that, no, I don't think anyone has any idea what you're talking about. All right, let's try again. The question, okay. when the person said over-identification, what does it mean over-identification? It meant that the friend now sort of wanted to take a break from her, and she was stuck with her, and she couldn't accept it. And she okay, was so way according too to my research to and friend. from what I understand, over-identification is when a person Oh, you see, that's the problem. You just did that. You just went clinical. I didn't let that, that caller go clinical. I don't want you to go clinical. Everyone is making their assumptions of technical terms. That's why I asked her, and her term of over-identification was she was too connected to that girl. And when, she, when the therapist told the girl to take a break, she couldn't handle it. Let's not use the word over-identification. Right. Take out that word. What was the girl's question without the fancy lingo? Um, I didn't quite get her question, but basically she was expressing a difficulty, um, a difficulty in leaving her from this particular friend. So she was feeling the difficulty separating from a friend. Great. Now, take out fancy words. What was my reply to her? Um, your reply to her was that she might be in denial about how much it's, it's really going to affect her and that she should deal with the loss and hopefully then be able to move on. Okay. Very good. And now, what's your comment about that? No fancy words. Okay. So my comment and my uh, question on this particular issue is, that if there's a relationship where still, like, not, it's not yet reached that stage, but you feel that it has a potential to reach that stage, what are some practical strategies that you can oh, take upon yourself? Oh, you've just spoken so theoretical. I have no idea what in the world you're talking about. Just like the last caller, please tell me the question about you. It's so hard when we talk this theoretical. What are theoretically responses to this? I can't give theoretical replies. Okay, it's so I'll just answer myself. So there are... Sometimes in which I am in a relationship with a person and I feel that sort of this could lead to over-identification being that I've gone through the process already. I want to know for myself when, I've, when I actually feel that this might be a possibility of happening, what are some practical strategies that I can do to prevent Good. it from Let's happening? Let's stop. Hold on. So you're going to step two. You just divide, let's divide your question into two parts. Step one, there are times you feel you're getting too connected to someone that you're worried if they won't speak to you or if they don't answer your phone when you call then you get disappointed, you get sad, or you get angry, or if they have another friend, you might start getting tense. Now, if that's true, first let's help you identify part one, why does that happen? Then we'll go to part two is what are steps and strategies that you can do if you see it getting there. And you'll notice if we can do a good job in step one, you might find that step two gets much, much, much easier. So are you ready to go first to step one? Yes. Good. So let's go now to step one. What is happening in your life, or what does this friend have that you want to over-identify with her? Depending on the relationship. Okay, so you have many people, do you have many relationships that you over-identify with them? Is that what you're saying? No, not many, but two or three. So let's pick one. So you see, not that's all of them. We, do in Karen, we focus on one. I need a clear goal. General. 
Good. So can you give me a clear goal? Within one particular relationship? Yeah. Okay, so sometimes there's a mutuality in experience within one's lifetime that they can connect to with another person. Okay, no, 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 no. Again, you've gone that professional, theoretical, wonderful approach. That's not what we do here. Let's give me the real thing. Give me an example okay, so with your friend. Yes, that you feel what okay. about okay, that person's so sometimes personality. I am going through something, or I have gone through something, which has affected me within my life, and I find yeah. somebody who's gone through not necessarily the same thing, but something similar, and we find a point in which to connect, and it can lead to over-identification. Now, let's stop. Again, use that fancy word over-identification. Let's not do that. Let's keep things simple. And by the way, I want you to realize I do that with all my clients, too. I don't enjoy when we give technical diagnosable terms. I like that only when a therapist speaks right. to a therapist or if a client is not clear about what they have to grow, and I need to use technical terms. Other than that, I personally don't enjoy doing it. So let's go back to you. Right. You have a difficulty. You have a friend that has a difficulty. You both understand each other, and that actually builds connection. That's the power of a group therapy, which means there's mm -hmm. a power that one-on-one -on -one therapy does not do, and that's the power of a group. And let me also defend one-on-one. Just because there's a group therapy power, group therapy cannot do, it does not do one-on-one -on -one therapy. There's a place for each. Now, when you have someone that went right. through the same things that you went through, that is a powerful connection. Yes, there isn't anyone in a group or anyone that has done group therapy knows the connection that it brings. Great. Now, right. you're having a difficulty that since there's someone that understands you so well, and I will make the assumption that probably in your past you have found a lacking in people really understanding you, all of a sudden, you mm -hmm. get that person to understand you, and you just you get you're breathing for fresh air. You're gasping mm -hmm. for air. Does that make sense? Right. Now that happens. What many people have with therapists, and that's many times, or that's one of the main reasons why there are bottom one men to go to male therapists and, and women to go to women therapists, because sometimes when people have such a pain in them, and all of a sudden they have someone that understands them and really connects to them, it can build a connection. And sometimes we want to keep it clear in the healthy realm that it should be appropriate. Now, now that mm -hmm. we understand where it comes from, you're finally being understood, there are several steps how to deal with that. Number one is to have several different outlets where you can take care of yourself. So classical example, if someone only goes to one group therapy and doesn't speak to others about it, then they will feel so connected to the group, and sometimes they'll be so disappointed if the group, if they cancel a week, the group, or a month, whatever it should be, because that is their only lifeline. Step number one is to create multiple people where you can be open to and connect to where it's safe that you feel comfortable doing that. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Uh, theoretically, but practically it doesn't quite work because you don't yes, encounter many people Yes, it does. That's where therapy you. comes in. Yep, yes, it does. Now, instead of going what doesn't work, let's focus on what will work. If you're aware that this is what you need to help you, the question that you should be saying is differently. Not stating a, sten a sentence saying it will not work. What we do now is we start thinking, how can I find more people that will understand me? Notice the difference between the two. What's the difference between what you said and the way I'm rephrasing your statement? Mm-hmm. Not, uh-huh. Tell me. Express it. <laughs> What's the difference between the statement that you said and the question or statement that I said? Well, you, I looked at it as a general attitude, and you looked at it as actually a, a route that I can take. That's right. Now, what happens if you're stuck with your sentence? Well, I can't make it happen or it won't happen. What happens then with that statement? with an I can't, with a limitation. Well, actually, you won't get down and do it, because to me it seems like an impossible feat down state. That's right. That's exactly it. And if you remain with that belief that it won't get done, you won't even look for opportunities for it to happen, and even if opportunity knocks, you won't take it. There was a great saying that I, I read, like one of those quotes, we had it on the daily quotes that we have, and it goes sort of, the door to success is the one that says push. The door to success is the one that says push. Do you realize what that means? Mm -hmm. It means to be successful, you've got to be success. You got to push. You've got to put an effort. You've got to start saying, how can I get there, Mary Tushem? All right. I see. 
Now, what are you hearing from all this? I'm hearing that I've got to sort of explore the world around me and find multiple avenues in which to find people that people and situations where I am feeling understood rather than shifting all onto one individual. That's right. Now, what would change if you would shifted to several people? It wouldn't be so concentrated in one individual. So if I'm disappointed by one, it's okay because I have nine other people to rely on. That's exactly it. Now, let's go ahead and take it a step further. What happens if you open up to several people, or let's take a step back. What happens if you have this one friend, and now the friend disconnects from you for whatever reason? How do you react then? Well, when I have nine other people who do understand me? Yes, when you have nine other people and when you only have one. What's the difference? Contrast the two. Well, if I would only have one person who understands me and then for whatever reason the relationship is severed, then clearly I would feel helpless and unable to help myself because now I have no one. Whereas if I have ten different people and one does leave me, then that's fine because it's not such a big void. Yes. Excellent. Beautiful. You got it. Now, is that one answer to your question? Number one is to open up to several people. Number two is for you to start finding who else can you, like, for example, go to a therapist. Can you find a rubber or a Revitzen, a leader, a parent, an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, who you can open up? It's important not just for people to stay in the therapy mode. It means my therapist understands me, my group therapist understands me. It's important to start connecting to some people that are in your everyday life that you can open up somewhat. It makes a big change in you when it's not just, oh, there are two sides to me. There's the everyday life, and then there's the part of me that goes to therapy. Eventually, the goal in therapy is for you to feel safe, to open up to people in your everyday life. But that's a big risk again. That's right. I'm just, you asked me tips. I'm sharing with you the tips. When you're strong enough to get there, Remember, you've only opened up to one person. I'm sharing with you the concept. Once you've opened up to several people that it's safe to, then the next step is to start opening up to people around you. A third point that might help you is if you can start writing about it, start journaling about it, a diary. But diary is about, like, what happened during the day. This is, journaling is an emotional feeling. Start writing down, I'm pained about this, and I opened up, and this. Just start writing about the different pains and even the happy feelings, how you feel you're growing about this. Does that make sense? Uh, so far we've given you three little tools. Yeah. The goal, what do you are find is the common denominator of all of them? Is that I've got to what? be open enough and willing enough to take certain risks and explore That's the world right. around me rather than just exploring one person. That's right. Exactly. Yes. Beautiful. But, again, if I take risks, then I risk disappointment. And I don't think that's anything I can handle at the moment. Ah, now you've gone to the next level. Here's where therapy comes in. Disappointment's part of life. I've, read, I've based my book on that. We've got Chapter 1, How to Build a Self-Esteem. This way you can manage that. This way you can manage disappointments. We've worked on breaking the perfectionist cycle, the ability to make a mistake, to break that perfectionist cycle. We've got the third chapter on how do you stand up, how do you go into new beginnings knowing you're, going to be not, you're not going to be successful. Yeah. If you're not able to take the risk of being disappointed, you will lock yourself up and trap yourself up. When you finally have one friend, you might even try controlling and trapping them. Right. Got it? Yep. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. You're very welcome. Good evening to you. And we are going to go over here. Do we have any? The number to call in is 718-683-5858. And Harvnison, what do you say to the last caller? Believe me, uh, it's too much complicated for me, you know, with all these terms and <laughs> all this stuff. Very, yeah. <laughs> it's, not, uh, it's not my field. 
I got a secret to tell you. It's also too complicated for me. That's why I take out fancy words, yeah. these <laughs> diagnosable terms. It's, it, it's wonderful, but it's meant to be used certain times. Most yeah. people overgeneralize it, and then it gets very complicated. Like even the way the first caller said, the Demartini method, it's a beautiful, simple, powerful tool. But it depends how you use it. And once you give a name, Demartini, you go, oh, wow, do I know it? Don't I know it? It's classic, what almost every therapist does, but here it's a specific focused method that's a beautiful, powerful tool. It depends who uses it, when it's used, and how you do it. So I agree with you. When I hear fancy words, it uh, sometimes you know, <laughs> is, is that way. Okay, so we're gonna, we, yeah, we we're going to go to Mrs. J. Let's see if it's a simple question, like uh, simple words. Hello? Yes, hello, Mrs. Yeah, J. Yes, hi. Okay, so my question is as follows. Um, my father's physically not well, and he needs a lot of care. Um, I'm more like part of the younger ones in the family, so they're the same three, four siblings that are involved in his care and do all the things that, you know, need to be done. Uh, so I, I'm not very involved. I'm very glad not to be involved. So recently um, a situation came up, and I felt that I should offer my um, services. And I wasn't very excited, but I felt it's the right thing to do, and, and I felt, okay, up to it, and I'll do it. So I offered what I felt was needed and what I felt capable of doing. And then when um, the time came for me to do whatever I offered, um, they request, like my father requested that I should do, uh, like if I offered A, he wanted I should do like 10% more than A. And I knew I was not up to it, and I wasn't going to, I didn't feel like doing it. I knew if I was going to do it, I was going to like just, um, I don't know, keep it up and everything, but I didn't feel like doing it. So my question is, um, obviously there's a reason I have these, these feelings and everything. Um, so I was thinking, like, maybe it's time, like, I should deal with it. Like, why do I have to make such a big deal of, like, you know, um, being part of, you know, accommodating and helping? But on the other hand, I'm not, I don't, I'm not really involved. I don't have to be involved. And I never have to deal with this part of my life. It's like it doesn't play out in my daily life. My question is, do you think there are areas in my life where it's affecting me, where I don't see the link? Is there any way that it doesn't play out anywhere else? Let me let me be a little bit blunt, and this is sometimes I don't want to use the word blunt. Let's try it the other way. If your kids would, if you would ask your kids for a favor, and they'll tell you, "I'm willing to only do this amount, but I'm not going to ten percent more than you want," mm -hmm. then how would you feel if they're not going to do the ten percent more that you asked? Um, how I would feel? Yeah. Okay, so maybe I won't feel good. So what's, what, what are you trying to ask me? How my father oh, felt? Oh, 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 hold on, hold on. So let's take a step back. So do you think if you ask your kids, they'll go 10% out of their way to help you more than they expected? Probably not. Oh, no? Why not? Why they won't do more than I ask them? Yeah. No, you're asking them something 10% more than they're oh. willing to do. Will they do it for you? Maybe, yeah, maybe not. My children are younger. I don't know. Okay, how will you feel if they don't want to go 10% more than you've asked? I would feel like I've done so much for you, you know, maybe you should. That's right. Now, if your kids don't feel that they should do that extra 10% for you, would you say there's something wrong with the children? There's something wrong in the relationship that kids won't go 10% for? No, there's definitely something wrong in the relationship. Oh, so can you clarify that? All, all I heard was that there's a wonderful family and the father... Something right, no, really... so there's definitely a reason for this. I'm very well aware. My question is... Okay, now let's take a step back. So if there's something wrong where an adult will not give 10% extra to their father when he needs help, then would you say this kid is missing a certain connection to parents or going over? And if the answer is yes, do you think this issue where they're lacking a sympathy or going extra to family, do you think it can affect them in other areas? I'd like you to answer your own question. This is the torture that I do to all my clients. I have no, So the question, question makes a lot of sense, and common sense will tell me it must yes. affect somewhere. My question is just, I really don't see where. Stop. That's the problem. How could you see where when it's you yourself? Everyone, I don't know, because I feel of like dysfunctional in some filter. area. Rabbi Islam gives us a filter called denial. Now, one of the simple ways of finding out if you're in denial or not is simply ask your husband. And if those of you that are men, that you're busy helping your parents or you're not helping your parents, simply ask your wife. The spouses can see the most. If your husband will tell you, if you ask your husband, is there anywhere that because I'm not so close to my parents, my father asks me for something, I won't go 10% more. Am I affected anywhere? 
spoil it. Are you sure? I ask you for a favor. You go, no, I can't go out of my way. Or if a friend does, you're very worried all the time about people. No, I would go out of my way for people. That's not the issue. No, no, no. Do you see what you're doing to me now? You're telling me no. And the problem is that whatever I will tell you yes, you'll probably be denying it because you're having your question. That's why we asked you to ask your husband. He's married to you. I don't know. I don't think I'll get an answer there. You don't think your husband would have a clear answer where no. you're affected by not being close to your father? No, I don't. Are your I father asking you a favor answer. and you're not willing to go further? You don't think your husband will see where it affects you? No. Then I've got no answer for you. Let me, let's rephrase it differently. I believe your husband will be very direct. Anyone married to someone, the spouses see the weaknesses first. In fact, I could right. be honest Weaknesses. and tell you my wife, know, so my wife knows my decisions. When I say I need three, four days to come up with a decision, and she says, oh, I know exactly what you're going to do, I even get insulted when she tells me that. Like, I actually think I'm making a choice, and, but the wives can smell it right away, and the same with husbands. I would really ask you, if your husband feels safe to give you four, ask him to write four places, not just the one where you're affected by not being close to your father or by the family issue, and your husband could probably give you four of them. Okay. Yeah? That, that, I'll ask you, have you any other a favor. Answer? If you ask your husband, can you just call up next week, or even if you speak to him now, call back and just say, I spoke to my husband, he said yes. And just ask your husband one other question before you do it. Would he be honest to tell you the real pain. No, if there is somewhere, you might start denying it or fighting it. Will he, does he feel safe to be honest to tell you? Yes. In four places, he sees where it affects you. All right? Okay. Yeah. Great. Fine, thank you. You're welcome. We are going. What do you say to that question? I think that uh, you, you point a very, very important uh, point that uh, this, especially a couple, has to be very, very truthful and you know friendly. You know, I know that uh, I can talk with my wife everything, and I really point many times uh, something that I don't like or what. I, and the conversation is supposed to be really. Between, I think that the lady before didn't reach the point yet to be open with her husband uh, completely. Yeah. Right. Do you think, between me and you, we're both married, do you think that a wife can smell the husband's issues pretty quick and right away? No problem. And they know it? I, I, <laughs> yes, definitely yes. Definitely yes. Yeah, unless the, the I, I don't know, I don't. Maybe husband is a actress in Hollywood, but uh, yeah, I would but say, I think every husband can see through the wife's actress uh, uh, in Hollywood. Yes. I personally think that's the power of a husband and of a wife and of children as well. Yes. They see the parents' weaknesses, even though we try to deny it and block it. You know, you're, you're talking about children. Children don't have to see; they're feeling it. You know, really. You know, yeah. I found it very, very unbelievable. They feel it. They don't even just. As to see or to hear, they feel the the the, the stuff, uh, you know, in between the father and mother and between the parents, the the Abba and Ima. Yeah, let me ask you a question just before we go to the next next question. Someone sent me a message six hours ago. It comes up on my messages. Dear Rabbi Weinberger, thank you for your show and all you do for our community. I listen to your show often and enjoy it, but at at sometimes it upsets me. I do feel that sometimes you do not realize that these are real people with real problems that are calling you. These are people whose problems bother and hurt them, and it probably takes a whole lot of courage to talk about it on air. Sometimes you are harsh and cynical, and I imagine the person hanging up and feeling horrible. Most people that call are innocent. They are not calling to trigger you. They do not have a degree like you and do not realize that their question might be deeper than they think. Please try to be nicer and more patient when answering people's questions. Remember, it's a Yiddish neshama who needs a bit of help. Thank you. Wow, this is. A, I would say that uh, I I think you know what what many times the people don't see w what we standing behind the microphone here, and yeah. I myself I think that hundred times before we saying something, and you know first of all we are human and. But I don't think that the whole idea of this show and other shows in Jerut is awareness. And many times people don't want to listen to 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 see the reality. And sometimes, what you say, Nibu Mashulob Babarosh Babaraglaim, you know, it, it's a little bit, you know, sometimes it seems like 
of uh, under sensitive, but we we trying to be. Very, I I know that you definitely and very to be sensitive to everyone, but many times I think that people has to to listen to the truth. And we 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 had the, we had many times people that calling you and telling you thank you for telling us what to telling after after a few weeks. I rem- I don't know. Remember the, the one time that was. Uh, issue with a lady that uh, felt very hurt, hurtful, and later, yeah. a week later, she called and she she basically said apologize and she she was thank thank thanks us thank you about telling her what what is all about. Yes, and I've had it today with the clients because we have like another we have several therapists like I'm working with them and I was very assertive with one of the clients and when I left the room because that's what I do I come and do a little pushing, and then the therapist said. It might hurt now, but let's realize the benefit that someone was just very direct, honest, not in pain, but just very direct that we need to wake up, we need to make changes. And they could have been months by other therapists trying to do it gently, or we can be more direct and then get better. So I first want to apologize to whoever feels hurt, pain, whoever calls and you feel I was too rough and tough on you, please understand it's never my intention. My goal is not to hurt you, Hashem. My goal is not for you to hang up and feel hurt and pain. What might happen is that you're calling up with one idea, and I'm being very direct and, op- and having you be aware that you might be doing a lot of harm to certain cases. Not only are you not helping, but you're doing harm. And I might even get more emotional involved when you're challenging me several times, which maybe I will work on more. And if those of you are listening, please remind me and correct me. I also would like everyone to know that Harv Nissen over here definitely corrects me at time to time when it's needed. So I, that's one of the reasons why I'm honored to have him on the program, because he can send me a message sometimes, cool down or whatever is needed, and I feel I have a second person here. But if I have hurt someone, I humbly apologize. But as you said, Rav Nissen, the goal is to create awareness and sometimes to even stop the pain that people are hurting others or hurting themselves. Yes, uh, okay. definitely, definitely. We we really. Um, I said, as you said, I really apologize, and definitely, definitely, and we are running this show, this radio show, and the, all the shows only because awareness and give us the Yiddish guide uh, approach to our problems. Thank you, Amodachai. So we'll go yeah, to thank you, Arvinson, for Mrs. being behind me, and again, always being that person there to remind me and to keep me balanced when needed. And for those that have heard, I'm sorry. So we're going to go now to Mrs. W. Mrs. W. Mrs. W. Yeah. Mrs. w. I'm with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Okay. I have a comment. Well, I'm sorry. I can barely hear you. Please speak up. I have a comment with a question. Hello. Hey, Harav Nissen, I can't hear yeah, you. Yeah, you I, hear the I, person? Mrs. W., can you, uh, I know, find a, a new phone or just to raise your voice? Hello. Yes. Ah, we hear you. Okay, I have a comment plus a question. Wait, again, it's getting dark. It's getting, like, silent a little. Let me try again. Okay. Good. So you'll call in. We'll go to Mrs. M, and then we will go back to Mrs. W right after. Yeah. All right, Mrs. M, you're on with Mordechai. Yes, hello. Thank you so much. Uh, um, my pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> I'm calling with my son. He's just a little shy, so I'm going to do Good. the talking, and hopefully that'll I... be okay. Great. How um, old is your son? My son is going to be bar mitzvah in a month, Mirzah Oh, mazel tov. Great. So if he's right you. next to you. Good. Hopefully yes. we'll be able to get him talking a little. Let's go hear the question. Okay. The question is that he is very worried for Purim um, because he gets very... He's very scared of people vomiting, and on Purim he has witnessed people, you know, drunk, shikurim, vomiting, and he's just, like, very nervous about it. So the past Purim he has spent a lot of time in the house. He didn't go to shul much, and he didn't um, go to one family member's house where there are a lot of, it's labor dig and fun, but to him it was very scary. And now, over the course of the winter, again, he's starting to dread it. He gets very, very nervous because what's going to be and how am I going to handle it. And right after prayer, is his bar mitzvah. So it's like, for me as a mother, I don't want it to, to like build up into this big thing of Purim and then his bar, like it shouldn't be one with his bar mitzvah. And for him, he wants to know, we, we both want to know how to deal with it. 
what's the First of all, direction it's cute, because we had last week a person call up with similar things to that. And mm-hmm. believe it or not, there's even a word for that. Just people like, I don't enjoy diagnosing, giving diagnosis, but just to be aware, I'm not even saying he has it, but there's a cute okay. word that's called mm-hmm. hemotophobia. It's just cute. Hemotophobia? Yeah, and that's just okay. someone that's afraid of vomiting. Mm-hmm. Of it's not so much that he's emotion. afraid that he'll vomit. I know he's afraid of others. Others, right. Mm-hmm. right. Now, but that's the general concept. So it could be of yourself, could be of others. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go ahead and start helping first your 13-year-old. Would he be willing to get close to the phone? Do you want to listen on the phone? Yes, he will. Okay, so let's have him listen, and let's, let's say I'll ask him, and let's see if he'll answer some questions. Did he find that other things also scare you sometimes if people make a mistake or if a Rebbe gets upset or if someone gets upset that you're worried for the other person? Just a minute. I'm sorry. He didn't hear the question. I'm going to give it to him closer. One minute. Okay, great. So do you find yourself, do you find that you're sometimes worried not only about if other people would vomit, if they'll throw up, but you're also sometimes worried if someone yells at another kid. Let's say if a Rebbe would yell at a kid. Or let's say if you see someone in camp at council yelling, or let's say you see a person walking down the street, you're worried about what they might do to someone else. Do you find it in other places also that you're feeling for other people? Hello? I'll tell you what, this is a bit complicated to do this like this over the phone where you're asking him, so I'll just share with you what we need to do is we really need to find out are there other places that this is going on is the core that he feels too much for others and he's not able to remain grounded in himself? Is this other places that he's afraid of within himself that something might happen to him or if he doesn't do well? Is it a perfectionist attitude? We, we need more information. Generally, for a question like this, we'll need him to get involved. I hear. All right, if, he, um, if he's willing to he talk is, on the phone, we can do it. If he can't, then uh-huh. it's a little bit difficult right now. He feels it's better if you talk to him on the phone. Do you want to talk to him? Okay, he'll try his best. His English isn't his first language, but I think he's pretty good. So okay, I'll great. give him the phone, and I hopefully thank you. Okay. Okay. Hello? Yes. Shalom Aleichem. Hello. Yes, and first of all, Mazel Tov, an early Mazel Tov to you by Mitzvah coming up. And that's very nice to hear. Let me ask you something. Do you find that... First of all, to understand, when you're worried that someone's going to throw up, perm, someone's going to throw up, what are you worried about? That they're in pain? Are you disgusted by the look of the, of the vomit? What's the difficulty? What's the, what's the pain? I don't like to see, and I don't know. I, I don't like to see it, and it smells. Uh-huh. It's icky. Yeah. Yeah. And and drunk people can also do wild stuff and So is the issue that the the throwing up, the vomiting? Or is the issue that there could be wild and you don't like the whole holus, the whole concept of people going crazy and people being that way? It's both. Okay. And those if someone throws up, not perm, does it bother you? Yes. Does it bother you as much as it bothers you on Purim? It bothers me, but not that they could do wild stuff. I want to ask it again. So from 1 to 10, if, you, if someone throws up, what number does it bother you without it being Purim? If it happens on a regular Tuesday. If it happens in ear, what number does it bother you from 1 to 10? 10 7, 8. Seven, eight. And what about on Purim? What does it bother you when they vomit? Because And there's a whole holus. How much does it bother you? Ten. Ten. Now, let me ask you another question. In ear, when boys are wild or when men are wild, what number does it bother you from one to ten? Not too much. One. Give me a number. So if people are wild, if, let's say if someone's shicker on an ear, what number would it bother you then? Ten. A 10. So what bothers you more is someone being shicker and more than the vomiting? Yeah. Okay, now let me ask you the next question. Is there a family member, like let's say a father, an uncle, a grandfather, someone that gets shicker 
and acts very embarrassing or in a level where you're afraid on Purim, don't want to know who it is. Just is there someone that's very close to you that you get afraid when they get drunk? Like, do you yeah. go every year to a Sudas Purim and the family is very embarrassing and very scary? I have a few uncles, cousins. Yeah. And how do you feel when they get drunk? Very scared. That's right. So what I would tell you is I wonder if you're even that disgusted by the vomit or it's more the fear of not being safe. So now let me ask you something. How would you feel if you would know that they love it? When men get drunk once a year and we'll ask her, we're not going into now, should someone drink, should they not drink? We're not going into the age of that. We're not going if people are over-drinking weight on a level that's not too healthy. I hope, Mertz this year, I even want to bring a Hatzalah member on the program just to share with us sometimes, unfortunately, how dangerous it is. But before we do that, just want to go into the concept. How would you feel if you would know that someone drinks on Purim, they're so happy? When they act funny like that, it's because they're so happy. How would you feel then? Nine. You'd still be afraid? Yeah. Now, what could make you feel safe, that they're okay and it's great? I don't know. That, that's why I called you. Good, so I'm pushing it back to you. No, no, not that I give you the answer. I'm trying to get you to open up for you to realize the answer. <clears throat> what can help you feel that they are so happy and it's a bracha for them that someone can let go a little once a year? How can you feel or know that they are safe and they're happy the way they are? Harav Nissan, what do you say? I tell you, uh, this is a big to topic, but I want to ask you definitely about the vomiting, that if somebody knows that uh, sick or flu and it's so up, uh, you're not afraid about it. You don't discussing about it, right? Uh, I'm, st I'm still afraid. But somebody's sick, you know, just unfortunately is sick, and the uh, classmate, you know, uh, somebody in the class, had, had, you know, bed the stomachache and the vomiting. I will be afraid. Of what? Now, notice you're focusing on the fairy. Can, I have, can we have you focus on the peacefulness after? That when a person vomits, now their stomach is easy. You see, it's a sensation. You're focusing on the pain. We want to get you focusing on the positive. That's what Harav Nissen is trying to do, and that's what I was trying to do before. Can you focus on the happiness of a person that is drunk or the easiness after someone vomits? Ah, now the stomach is settled, it's calm, it doesn't feel the pain. Because our, yeah. our body is very smart mechanism, you know, when it feels something wrong, it vomit and just release it, you know. And this is very, Akadosh Baruch Hu gave us the, the option, you know, the mechanism to do this and release ourselves. And from the outside, it looks terrible. And I, I agree with you. But Ten more minutes. That's right. So could you realize exactly what Rav Nissen said? That our body vomits when it's a tithe for us. So imagine a person has all that food in their stomach or all that alcohol, and now the body is feeling so not healthy. The stomach turns, they got a headache. Then they vomit it out. For 10 seconds, it doesn't feel comfortable. But after that, now the body is calm. How would you feel if you realize that when a person vomits, they feel, ah, so much better after? Better. That's right. And now the same thing with a person that drinks to healthy, normal levels, that once a year, not people that drink often, not people that get sick or no, all those are terrible, but let's go back to the once a year. How would you feel if you would know that they enjoy feeling a little bit free? A little bit better, but I'm still afraid. Good. What number would you say you feel a little better now? Nine, eight. You went down to a nine to an eight from a ten? Yeah. Or it went much lower down, the pressure? It went to eight, nine. From a ten, it went to an eight. Okay. 
And in the future, when, when you speak to someone, if your mother would want you to speak to someone, these are different, tep- there are different steps that we can do, different information. This was more cognitive. There are other stuff that we do. All right? Thank you for calling in. Very brave of you to come to the phone. I want you to realize if you're able to talk over here on the radio, imagine how easy your shuttle is going to be. <laughs> you just spoke to a couple of thousand people. So let's say when you're going to speak at your bar mitzvah, how many people do you think are going to be there? It's going to be a 40, lot less. 70. Great. So imagine you're able to speak to a several thousand people so easy, so calm. How do you think you'll do a that shuttle now? Also calm. That's right. Now, I could tell you that the first time you stand in front of people, for a second, it might be a little nerves, but realize that you just spoke a month before your bar mitzvah, you just spoke to several thousand people. So walk with a confidence tens of and the thousands. ease, Meritisham. What? Tens of thousands. That's the real number. The real number is tens of thousands. That's right. All right? Yeah. Great. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. We're just going to read the two messages before we go to the next caller. Again, the number for those that would like to call, 718-683-5858, And this is just some people that were, it looks like they're defending me a little from that message that I read that the person felt I was a little too tough. And here we got some messages. One is saying, hi, I wanted to tell you, and thank you for sending them. I wanted to tell you the shows are excellent, and I learn from something new each time. Thanks, and also for the emails. Yes. I also, I just, another one is, I just want to say thank you for all your shows. You get to the crux of the problem in such a clear way. It's very enjoyable to listen in. Thank you for the awareness. Have a great night. Mordechai. And then I got to one or two of my personal ones. says, you go right to the target. Um, someone else said over here that the person, it seems that the person is sensitive and is projecting his sensitivity feelings onto those who call. I don't think you're ever cynical, but you are very direct. Mordechai. Yes. I know that last week I had a show and about, about the, the, the Kiddush Club, and I just, I know that I didn't want to say that I went next to the boy, you know. Yeah. And I just, this is boy is touch my heart because the adults, supposed to be adults, they're drinking and behave like silly. I was in a kiddush a few weeks ago, and I I felt so sorry, so bad about the kids and the wives that this creature come home after a kiddush club and full of himself and destroyed the Shabbat for all his family. And I'm telling you, this is something that we were talking about in the last five years, every almost once, every month almost. Yes. And this reaction, this boy, tell my out about it. You know, about Thank you. Let's discuss it two minutes. Let's actually do that now. And for those parents out there, and I know men, it's coming perm. We still got time. It's only Adar Aleph. But let's recognize that when we are supposed to do a mitzvah, believe it or not, it's supposed to be a mitzvah. And when it's a mitzvah, it's positive all over. And when the G'daylam are telling us not to drink, and if you're going to drink, there's a healthy high, a couple of shots, not getting stoned, where Hashem Hatzalah are busy taking people to the hospital right and left and needing IV, and sometimes a lot more serious stuff that go on, car accidents, Hashem, and other stuff that happen. But let's go a second to Isaiah Nissen saying, and to this boy, it's traumatizing for children when you see adults acting in such an unhealthy, embarrassing way. You might feel good about it, but you have a responsibility. Teenagers don't understand how to drink appropriately because us adults aren't showing appropriately. The Adelayoda, we speak to all the Gedon, there's a healthy level. There is a healthy level, and I do believe that it's important to let go and to feel a high, but a high isn't where it's embarrassing, a high isn't where the wife is petrified. How many times do we know in our families where there's a wife says, perm at night, I tell my husband, let him sleep by his mother, or I sleep by his parents, this way I don't have to deal with him alone. That's scary, that's not healthy, that's not balanced. That's not. And it, as the G'day saying, it's not a mitzvah, it's not a vera. 
We talk, you're talking about once a year. I'm talking about every week and Shabbat and, and Shabbat's club, it's called a Kiddush yeah, club. Yeah, the Kiddush club. And, yeah. you know, first of all, what we are broadcast to our children, this is cool. What is the conversation of Shabbat? Is Glenfitch 15, 18 years, all this single mold. What This is what we are teaching our kids. This is cool to drink, to be d- drunk and, you know, the, wor- the, the good scenario that you come home and you go to sleep. But what happened at the scenario? That I got the phone calls. I got the phone calls from the, from the, the wives. And, uh, you know, and this boy they're talking about is fear of you know, all this stuff. We have to take consideration. And, and I call to many rabbis, to many shuls, boycott this Kiddush club. Don't let it go. Shabbat's Oneg, Oneg Shabbat. Is believe me, you can be with 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 a, a Pepsi Cola, a Coca Cola. Yeah. What what you can be happy. Yeah, thank you. I'm sorry that I'm I'm, I'm overwhelmed about it, but but it's really no. Nope, uh, I agree. The more you talk, the more aware strong. it is. And the same thing, I'll even add on with the teenagers, the bachurim, with the smoking. It's a lot, a lot yes. less. But the more we talk about it, it's not cool. It's really not. And when us adults, when we look at teenagers and they smoke, we look down at it. Today, it's not appropriate. You go to a business meeting and someone puts out a cigarette, they look, they're looked down upon. They are. You go to anywhere in the city, Manhattan, and you tell, pull out a cigarette. I'm not going into now if you smoke or if you don't. But the concept that teenagers think it's cool to smoke, it's changing. And the more we express it that it's not cool, the more it's going to have an effect. And with what you're saying with the kiddish clubs is extremely real. Thanks that it's God. not cool. Thanks, God, I'm not everyone. smoking. Thanks, God, I'm not smoking. And also, this is the new invention, the electronic cigarette. Yes, that's that terrible. People, most of the doctors said it's wrong and it's worse than the regular cigarette because you cannot control the nicotine over there. And unfortunately, our children falling to this part and to be cool. Anyway, we'll continue with uh, Miss... Try to, to get Miss W again. Miss, okay? okay, let's... Mrs. W, I'm with Mordechai and her of Nissan. Hello? Yes. Yes. Okay, I have a comment plus a question. Go ahead. My comment might might sound a little bit um, negative, but it's really positive. Go ahead. So how about you try saying it in a positive tone then? (laughs) Okay. Um, For all the people that tried going to therapy, I have been trying quite a few therapists. And I felt that this is not for me. Um, I don't know, therapy is working for all people, but it's not working for me. So I decided that I'm giving up and I'm not trying again. Then um, someone was trying to convince me to give it another chance. So I said, no, I know what therapy is all about. They keep on asking questions time and again. They don't get places. So I, I, so he tried convincing me, yes, do try, do go. So I tried, so I said, okay, I'm giving it another chance. And Baruch Hashem, with a lot of Siyata Dishmaya, um, I found the right therapist, and it's not that long that I am in therapy, and I've been seeing major, major, major changes, Baruch Hashem. So for all people that that didn't find the right therapist, they should know that there are many, many therapists out there, and every therapist is has a different personality, you just have to find the right one for you. So if you did not find the right one yet, just keep on trying and you will find the right one. Wonderful. Thank you. That's a very positive message. Beautiful for the comment. Now, what would be your question? My question is, um, is it appropriate to ask the therapist, like, What's what's my evaluation? What's um, which which technique he's using, or whatever that is. 
Okay. I'd like you to answer the question. Do you think it's appropriate if you're going to a therapist to ask what's your diagnosis and what method are they using to help you? Um, I don't know because um, it's quite complicated. I guess I have a few diagnoses and maybe maybe you're still a little bit... Um, in the middle of evaluating, and I'm, I'm not sure. Okay. Let, let me explain to you. Uh, uh, let's ask you that a bit different. You said you're going now to this new therapist, and you're seeing major changes. Do you think the therapist is still doing evaluations if you're getting therapy, if there are major changes? In some areas. Uh, I'm not sure what that answer is. No, I, I want you to understand something. It, let, let me tell you the answer, but then I want to turn it into a therapy question. So the answer is absolutely the therapist, you're allowed to ask your diagnosis, you're allowed to ask what method of therapy the therapist is using. Now, what I'd like to shift to you is since this is such a normal question, the only people that ask that question is if they're dealing with major fears or they had authority figures that were fearful to question or to ask anything. Therefore, you're afraid. Whatever I do, I might get. They might get upset or neglect or other stuff. Right. Anyone that won't ask a simple olive-based question that's within their rights is usually tells me there's a fear of authority, and you're not able to trust. And you're learning how to trust. You're learning how to question. That's a beautiful. That's a beautiful process. You are right. Right. So I want you to know that it's part of your therapy process to continue and to question the therapist. Now, I even want to add on to allow the therapist to make a mistake in the future and don't run away. Send them a message, and the therapist will work it out with you. Part of what I've, when I was training and working with a therapist under me and working with them is that we discuss that we are the first ones that many times clients feel safe to challenge. And instead of going, oh, no, don't challenge me, we invite him. We go, I'm sorry. Or we clarify what we did and we work it out. This helps the person learn to work it out. However, listen, let me ask you if you can help out over here. If you've got someone that you're, let's say, when you're in construction and you have a customer and they don't tell you that something's going on. Yeah, we are not profit. Not None of the professional people are profits. And a re mind reader, unless, you know, you're a baba or kind of... Makubo or Rav or yeah. But uh, no, but none of the professional people are uh, mind reader, and yes, it's very important that to be trying to participate with your with your therapist. And I think that uh, th this is the most important. You 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 facing him uh, or her, you know, face to face, and try to to communicate more and open more, more open yourself more because it seems like you find. The person that uh, you trust and it, it build you up slowly, slowly, right? Right. I have another one thing that um, obviously, as your role is a producer, you can, I think, sometimes it's more beneficial for a lady going to a man because of the distance, you feel more comfortable opening up and you feel you coming here, you don't have the social pressure. You, you feel you're coming here just to make changes and get places. So that's another thing. Okay, yes, okay. that's something that the Rav will address. Yes. I want to thank you because we've run out of time over here. There's just one wow, message. Yeah. Listen, do you want to read it? No, read it, read it, I, and I have to comment about it. Okay, so the message that we just got from someone is, I don't think the boy is pained of the drunk guy. He's scared he will get hurt, which is definitely, I agree, there's a huge component to that. Listen, what's, your I, compo what's your comment to that? <laughs> it's, it doesn't matter why he's scared, but is 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 the, the drunk person already creating an impression of fear on him so it's the vomiting and everything. Or the, or everything has become like a, a, a you know nightmare for this boy. 
Yeah. So it doesn't yeah. matter what 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 you fear from a drunk or from from you know from a physical harm or you know mental something like this something fearful, and this why the person is a drunk. <laughs> you know, no other, no other, no other. I would say, what do you think about it? Yes. Yes. Do you think a normal person... Agree. I agree. Let's create the awareness. This is for awareness. Stop drinking. We're traumatizing our kids. We're ruining our Shabbos and we're ruining everything. Let's have Simcha the way Simcha is, with happiness, where everyone is happy with us. Yes. Well, the time is running. Yes. So... Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful evening. Shkoyach uh, Nissen for another fantastic and amazing evening and for all the callers and all the comments. Really appreciate it. It was a great variety tonight. Great, okay. great variety. Thank you all. Thank you very much. I see.